I mentioned last week that uh, I, I preached a, a sermon uh, on a, a phrase, uh, and I'm going to preach another sermon on the same phrase uh, tonight. Um, last week, the sermon was looking at the way unbelievers, people who aren't yet Christians, um, need to follow the principles of uh, putting on the belt of truth. Um, but I want to concentrate tonight on what this actually means for us as believers. So uh, I'm just going to read from Ephesians chapter 6, uh, starting at verse 13, uh, verse, uh, 13 to give context to it. And uh, then I'll pray. Therefore take up the whole armour of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. Stand, therefore, having girded yourself, uh, the old translation says, having girded yourself with the belt of truth. Right. Let's pray. Oh, Father in heaven, we, uh, many of us are familiar with these words, but we pray, Lord, that you will bring them to life uh, tonight, Lord, as a fresh word to our souls, uh, to enable us to live our life to your glory, and to actually be able to stand firm and battle uh, for uh, the truth and for Jesus in the world in which we live. In Jesus' name we pray this. Amen. Amen. Now, as I've said, uh, last week we looked how a non-believer may use these words um, in his seeking of God. Um, Firstly, through the truth of the Bible, knowing the truth about himself, and knowing the truth about the grace and the love of God. Now, actually, I'm going to use roughly those same categories or same, uh, same subheadings for the approach to how this message uh, of the belt of the gospel, the belt of truth, um, is applied um, for us. Now, I mentioned last week that the belt for the, um, for the Roman soldier secured his armor in place, gave him support for his back, uh, to, to a certain extent, so that with all the heaviness of the armor and the, the, the sword in his belt, he was able to actually prepare himself for the battle and be ready for the battle and have a sword which was ready to hand and not fallen down because the belt was, was broken and so on. Now, when Paul uses this picture about spiritual armor, he's not asking us, you know, each day to think, oh, I've got to put on something, you know in terms of actual physical belt. It does help us to, um, to, to absorb some of what he's saying, but he's actually using a picture language, telling us that in our battle against Satan and, his, and all of his tricks and all of his onslaughts, in every dimension of our life, we are to know God's truth. The dimension of truth is fundamental to the Christian life. Now, um, interestingly enough, in, in the Old Testament, it actually tells us in Isaiah chapter 11, you can look at it later, but in Isaiah chapter 11, um, Isaiah talks about the coming Christ, the, the stem of Jesse. Um, often this, uh, this chapter is used in, in a Christmas reading. And it talks about Jesus, six or seven hundred years in advance, and it says, "...with righteousness he will judge the earth and decide with fairness for the afflicted of the earth." And he will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. 
The book of Revelation takes that picture up and says that a sword is coming from his mouth, the word of God, the spiritual sword. And uh, verse 5 of uh, Isaiah 11 says, Also righteousness will be the belt about his loins, and faithfulness the belt about his waist. Now notice that picture of the heavenly Christ wearing spiritual armor or, or, or bearing spiritual weapons is the similar but not the same as what Paul is talking about in Ephesians. Because Paul, uh, Isaiah talks about uh, Christ wearing righteousness and faithfulness about his waist. Now, faithfulness might be, in, might, could possibly, have, well, um, does have resonant, a resonance of truth, faithfulness. That, that does fit in. But clearly, um, what Paul is doing under the guidance of the Holy Spirit in Ephesians chapter 6 is giving specific dimensions of, of the Christian life that we are meant to be, uh, to be um, employing in our battle against Satan. So, though the armor described in Isaiah is not exactly the same as Ephesians, Ephesians, firstly, is talking about the same quality of strength, power, and power um, that the Old Testament is talking about. We're talking about spiritual power that is given to every believer in the spiritual battle. We face a spiritual enemy who, had, if without Christ's armor, we're finished. We would be deceived tempted uh, and, and totally, totally destroyed by persecution if it was not that the Lord protects us, both by his providential looking after our lives, but also by the spiritual powers and gifts that he gives us. Now, Paul emphasizes to, to the Ephesians, look, take up this armor, put on this belt. I was, I was reading, I was looking into Roman armor on Wikipedia, and I read about one particular Roman general who uh, decided not to wear the heavy armor. That, I mean, the heavy armor that the Romans wore around their breastplate and so on was not as tough as, as the medieval armor, these great, you know, like someone's wearing a dustbin around them thick, with thick armor, which, in fact, if you fell off the horse in medieval armor, you couldn't get up again. And people could just come along and kill you once you're off your horse because the armor was so heavy. You couldn't actually even sit up. But basically, the Roman armor was not as heavy as that, but the, the armor was, very, was pretty good for the weapons that faced them in those days. But this, this general refused to wear it. He wanted to wear a lighter tunic that had a degree of protection against very light blows, but he didn't wear the heavy armor. And so the Wikipedia article says this, this guy was killed because he, 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 he didn't take up the armor that was available. And the history of so many of us of Christians is, is that we've often failed because we haven't been wearing the armor, the, the, using the protection and the offensive weapons that God has given us for our victory in our Christian lives. And, and, and so this belt that we're talking about, belt truth we talked about last week, is really, really important for us in our, uh, in our Christian lives. This is armor, the, the belt of truth is armor given to us by an armorer. This isn't an arbitrary little club, a little cult. You know, there are cults, aren't there, that you, that you see from time to time. And there's even some 
Christian, Christian groups that become cults because they have a special leader who thinks he's the Pope or thinks he's, you know, thinks he's the bee's knees and he has everybody kind of following him and serving him and, and then has these teachings, these often eccentric teachings that everybody has to follow. We're not in a cult. Bible-believing Christians who are truly following the Bible are, are in the Lord's army. And he has given us the armor and we must hold on to it. In Jude, it says this, Jude 1.3, Beloved, while I was making every effort to write to you about our common salvation, I felt the necessity to write to you appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all handed down to the saints. And uh, Jude was, was saying that it's really important these truths, these Bible truths about the gospel, about salvation, but also, of course, about the, the protection and resources for the Christian life. It's really important that you, you fight to keep these in the church. You know, you, 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 you protect yourself against false doctrine, but why? Because these doctrines are so important. They're the truth. And uh, we might say that not only does the church have to protect itself against lies and deceptions, but we as individuals desperately need to keep our own lives free of deceit and deception. And look, the first thing I want to think about when Paul is talking about wearing the belt of truth is the deceitfulness and deceptions of our own sinful hearts. When Paul is saying, wear the belt of truth, he's, he is addressing the fact, you're a Christian, you're going to war against uh, an evil, uh, incredibly intelligent spiritual enemy, are you honest with yourself? Have you got that inner integrity? Paul, Peter, uh, sorry, third time, lucky. Uh, David said, uh, after he'd fallen into terrible sin and, and actually murder and adultery, I'm, I'm, a terrible mess, he said, Lord, grant me truth in my inward being. David had been tossed about by lies, self-deception, and he, he got sucked down into a cycle of iniquity and darkness that resulted in adultery and then murder. And it was a lot to do with self-deception. And that's true of so many of us, isn't it? Scripture, again and again, warns us about deceiving ourselves. I mean, we... We may be proud and we don't even realize it. So we're not looking at our faults. We're not coming before the living God and saying, Lord, reveal to me what is wicked in my life, as, as the psalmist did. Sometimes we are superficial. We're, we're refusing to think deeply. We're, you know, we, we, we're on the surface all of the time and we, we come to church. We have a short, quiet time and time of prayer where we're not really examining ourselves before God what really is going on in my life many of our actions as Christians are not motivated by love of the Lord but well it's what we do and it's our, our identity we're Christians that's our identity and that's how we find a, a sense of purpose in life by being Christians yeah well that is it is true we have a sense of purpose but that sense of purpose should come not from going just doing the duties the outward duties doing the outward things but actually because we're doing all things for the glory of God and knowing God we we need to have 
we need to be delivered from the self-deceit of habitual sinful tendencies that remain unchallenged, ultimately unchallenged. It could be an unclean mind. It could be a constant rage and anger that's bubbling under the surface, all kinds of things. You know, the rage comes out when we're talking about politics or about um, uh, what other people are doing. Or, but there's, a, there's an anger that's there uh, that, that may be rooted in something else. There may be bitterness, selfishness. And we, we, we read the word of God and we read the passages. We may even do a, a Bible study, but we still actually aren't seeking God for deliverance from those sins. And we refuse to read the word of God. And then we get, we get deceived by false teaching. That's what happens with some people who join these cultish Christian groups. Jeremiah says this in Jeremiah 29, verse 8. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you. And don't listen to the dreams that they dream. For it's a lie that they're prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. The people of Israel were happy to listen to to self-flattering lies of the prophets. The prophets in Jeremiah's generation were saying, oh no, you can carry on. You can carry on breaking the commandments. You can carry on with your selfish lives. Don't worry. Jeremiah's message that judgment is going to come upon you, that's not going to happen. You're going to be delivered from the Babylonians. Nothing's going to happen. Don't listen to dreams of those who flatter rather than uh, the, 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 the word of God that pierces us, condemns our sins, our inward sins. Of course, also, wonderfully, uh, shows us the way of grace and, and kindness, which we will look at. But we, you know, this is something that wearing the belt of truth is a call to self-examination. We, you know, we show we're not wearing this belt of truth and, I need to check myself by excusing myself that certain actions are okay in the sight of God when they're not. We live in a society that excuses itself and says, oh, we're good. Oh, we're good. How many people say we're good people? We, we could have a vote on it and, and suddenly we'd have a, you know, a vast number of people would elect themselves as being a good person. But Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, 9, don't you know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals will inherit the kingdom of God. Don't be deceived. And yet often we excuse, maybe not so obviously uh, outrageous actions, scandalous actions as that, but we do excuse ourselves. Personal uh, impurities, personal wrongdoings of various kinds. It might include gossip. That's, we're breaking God's law. Covetousness, greed, disrespect. Um, disrespect not just for parents, but for rulers and authorities. Breaking the law uh, of our country. Racism. All sorts of things. We can excuse these tendencies. We're not wearing the belt of truth. We don't have the integrity. We're not examining ourselves and saying, see if there be some wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Someone might think it doesn't matter. I spend so much time with non-Christians. Oh, I don't get to church. I'm with my family all the time. I don't have time to get along to church meetings. Where does it say that in the Bible that that's okay? Um, you know, it's, it's not okay. It's not okay to, 
to uh, neglect the gathering together. We're not to neglect our families. We're to really look after the families in the most wonderful way, which a, a pagan, a non-Christian would never do. But that doesn't mean we neglect the word of God and we, don't, uh, and we neglect fellowship. And we've got to remember that Paul says, bad company corrupts good morals. If we're hanging about with non-Christians all of the time at work, uh, if we're constantly um, surrounding ourselves with non-Christians on the TV and through the media and so on, our morals will be corrupted. And finally, just another example, of, uh, two more examples, uh, is we can actually n- not really take seriously there are consequences to our sins as Christians. There are consequences. When we cross that line and, and walk in the dark and we sin, there are consequences. Paul says, you know, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. Now, that saying, Paul isn't applying this to our eternal life. The Lord does forgive sins. And it is part of the Christian life to to understand. Don't be deceived. You will sin. You have sinned. Uh, You know, if you say you haven't sinned, the truth is not in you. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's the, that's the wonderful, uh, wonderful grace of God. But if we do sin, there may be consequences. It may be later on in life. We will reap the consequences of the corruption of that sin. It might be dishonesty. And then gradually the dishonesty gets worse and worse in our life. We become more prone to it. We could go through all of the sins. The little hatreds that turn into really bad relationships with people. Lust that turns actually into acts of fornication. Finally, we may, um, we may show we're not, we haven't got this inward integrity, the belt of truth, by blaming someone else for our sins. We might even blame God. J- James says, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Don't be deceived, my beloved brothers. Now, self-examination is meant to produce within us within our souls, a cry for forgiveness and a cry for change. It is meant to produce within us the same, uh, the same uh, prayer that, that, that Elijah felt when he felt that, that um, paganism was engulfing Israel and in so he was the only one and he desperately needed help and, oh Lord, will you deliver, deliver me? Answer my prayer. Now, If we wish to have our lives changed by the Lord as Christians, if we've fallen into sin, if we wish to wear this belt of truth, then the belt of truth having, uh, if if you like, uh, exposed ourselves to the truth of God's word, we are to respond to that truthfully in prayer to God by open confession to God of our sins. Bringing to him in a common sense way we don't have to we literally we don't have to get very emotional about it maybe sometimes we will sometimes we'll be with tears in our eyes but it may be sometimes we'll just have to come and say Lord I've done this I've sinned I want it changed I want my life changed permanently that I may not be like this any longer and we seek God and we continue to seek God until, until we have um, 
until we have been changed. Jesus said in John 17, verse 17, sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. Jesus places this template for the Christian life that we have to conform to, that we come to the truth and we will be sanctified in that truth. Now, that is the truth of the law, of the way we should be living, and our awareness of how we've broken God's holy law, but also, of course, the truth of God's wonderful, marvelous grace in Jesus Christ, that he is... He has made a way for sinners not only to be forgiven, but also for, for, for sinners to be transformed, to live a life of integrity day by day. Uh, the first chapter of John, which I'm not going to go into because it's taken another half hour to go through that, but the first chapter of John explains this life of integrity, of living a life in the light. If we say, uh, you know, we're in the light, but we're in the darkness, we're lying, we're deceiving ourselves. But... John says that the process of living in the light is confessing our sins. And, of course, that means leaving them. And then walking in the light with the blood of Jesus cleansing us from our sins. So it's, uh, it's, it's uh, really important for us, okay, to, uh, to wear the belt of truth for our own personal holiness and our own personal, uh, our own personal uh, Christian life as we face the spiritual onslaughts of Satan. Now, I also want to note that the Bible makes it clear that not only is it important that we, in our own lives we have integrity, but that we should actually pass on this truth, the truth of the Bible. We stand for the, on the truth of the Bible. We share it. We have fellowship with it in a Bible-believing and practicing church. And we're prepared to tell this truth to other people. This is part of the battle against Satan. It isn't just merely that, that I'm to live a holy life, but you know I can then go into my own you know into my own room and spend my spend my life um, in my own spiritual life, enjoying Christ, enjoying my life, but not worrying about a dark, deceived, ignorant world that know nothing of Christ. No, the Lord is sending us out with the truth into this world, and. Uh, The incredible importance is that, that that message that we take is the truth. That the church should be actually uh, itself surrounded by the truth. Jesus said, sanctify them in your truth. And he was talking in the, in the plural here about his apostles. But he was also praying for his, the, those who would become Christians. Now I'm going to read from John 17, verse 17. You needn't look it up. I, I'll tell you the page number. But... Um, you can just listen to it. Uh, John 17, verse 17, is on page 107, uh, 107.4, 107.4. Um, yeah, 107.4. Jesus prays this to the Father. Sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, for the apostles only, but for those who will believe in me through their word. People who would eventually um, become part of the worldwide church. 
that they may all be one, just as you, Father, in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Now note, when Jesus prays for unity, it is not before praying that they be sanctified in the truth. He's saying that the truth must surround those people who believe in him. And then he prays that they'll be united. Uh, all the time we've got projects been going on for a century to try to unite all the different denominations uh, in, in, uh, in the world. But you can't have unity without tr- a sharing of the truth. The problem is that we have in, uh, in various parts of the world and in Britain is various people who say that they are Christians, say that their denomination is Christian, but they defy the simple teaching of, um, of the Bible. Um, I bought a, a belt um, three or four years ago uh, which appeared to be a leather belt, you know, and it said leather on it, but it turned out it was a special kind of treated leather which was basically a thin strip of leather on the outside of, of a basic man-made fibre. And this belt just simply started to break into pieces. It was pathetic, you know. Well, what we have today are false truths, so-called people who do not believe the Bible. Now, postmodern people aren't really worried about this. You know, the postmodern person is someone who's saying, whatever you believe, that's, that's good for you. You believe in the Bible, he believes in fairies, I believe in evolution, but I respect everybody's truth. It's all true. Well, that, that of course, is is ridiculous. If um, I had a leg injury and I went uh, into the hospital and one doctor came along and said, oh, you need to rest that for three days, that's all, it's not that serious. Another one said, "I uh, I think we'll have to amputate your foot. And another one came along and said, well, I think I have to amputate a hole of your leg. In the real world, you don't accept. You don't accept contradictions like that in the real world. And it is true in the spiritual world. There is only one truth. There's not loads of different truths. There's one truth. And the Bible claims to have the absolute truth about, about, uh, uh, about uh, reality and the world and the way, it, the way churches should live and, and the way churches should preach. But fake Truths call itself truth when they're lies. Well, they've always been around, but in the past century in the English church, they've been around a lot. I mean, 50 years ago, which doesn't seem that long ago to me, but 50 years ago, I can remember a church, a Church of England commission, an official report, which was rubber stamped as being an official doctrine report, was called The Myth of God Incarnate. And in it, it basically said, the idea that Jesus was God is a myth, is a fairy tale. And this was rubber stamped by the Church of England. There were evangelicals on the commission that did a minority report, three or four of them, uh, said, no, we disagree with this, we think Jesus is God. But this was an official Church of England document. And of course, over the past 50 years, we see many churches, including the Church of England, have put forward views uh, that uh, you can discount Jesus' teaching, on various issues, the apostles' teaching on women, homosexuality, ethics in general. 
It was all obvious 50 years ago, I can remember it well, seeing what was going to happen in the next five decades. Once you put the Bible and say, no, this is just a human book, it's just like any other book, really. It's got lots of contradictions and everything. It was written by human beings and hundreds of years after and so on. So we don't have to go with it absolutely. We can follow the things in it we like, and you put it to one side, then actually what happens is that people will do what is right in their own eyes. And what is right in their own eyes depends upon what that generation's prejudices are. And in the 1940s and 50s, the last thing that people were were thinking was okay was homosexuality. But of course, from 1975 onwards, in the early 80s, uh, homosexuality was put on the agenda as being something that was to be recognized and accepted. And of course, what has happened is the churches that have put the Bible to one side have now accepted homosexuality as being a valid way of life. We could go through things, really. Once you forget biblical inerrancy, then all, cu- all the doctrines of Scripture are rejected. There have been bishops in the Church of England that have denied the virgin birth of Christ, denied the resurrection actually happened literally, denied that Christ died for sinners to pay for the, pay, uh, for the sins of the world when he died on the cross, and even have, have attacked the, the deity of Christ. And... It's, it's just happening. Now, we have a choice. We have a choice. Are we going to wear the belt of truth in our church and in our lives and tell the truth as it is in the Bible or not? We face constant challenges. Um, I've already um, mentioned in a previous sermon quite recently about the, the question of um, women uh, as leaders in churches and, and teachers. And, uh, I mean, today on the news, I think it was Sky News, I can't remember, there was a major um, five-minute section upon women priests and, um, obviously, in favor of the fact that women should be priests, should be leaders, should be teachers in the church. Now, I, I, I am, I'm not going to be ashamed. I'm going to deal with this again because I have also met people recently, in fact, even on Saturday, talking, uh, telling me about women pastors and leaders and so on and it is an issue let me say again what I said just a few weeks ago the Bible does not say women are inferior to men it's quite in order for women to be politicians and leaders the Bible makes it clear we have Deborah the judge women can be as spirit filled and as vital as any man the Holy Spirit came up in, in Pentecost it was the day of inclusion women men Old, young, they all received the Holy Spirit in power. There wasn't one that was better than another. They were all received the powers and gifts of the Holy Spirit. Um, however, the Bible makes it absolutely clear that women are not to be teachers in the church. It says it in 1 Timothy 2 verse 12, which I'll read. Again, you needn't uh, look it up, um, but I'll, I'll just read it for you. Paul says, quite clearly... I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she's to remain quiet. And uh, there are other texts, too, that make this clear. In fact, people will say, well, that was just Paul. Well, just Paul, an apostle of Christ, appointed by Christ to be a teacher to the nations. Oh, just Paul, the arrogance of the people who say that. But actually, if we look at the rest of the uh, New Testament, show me a woman preacher, a woman teacher. Show me a woman leader. They're, they're not there in the New Testament. When, when dealing with the subject in Corinthians, he says, 
None of the churches uh, disagree with this basic, the, this, these basic biblical principles about men and women that is in the church, certainly, that he's talking about. And uh, the basic thing is this, is that the only woman teacher I can think of, and well, I'm sure that there's the only woman teacher that is mentioned, is in the book of Revelation that talks about a, uh, a, a false prophetess who was teaching immorality to the church and the worship of idols. Now, um, I am not saying this because, because I, you know, don't want women to be leaders or, or, or preachers or didn't want them to be preachers or teachers. When I was young, I just, I, I was reading uh, Jermaine Greer uh, when I was in my early 20s. And I agreed with most, of, I didn't like the tone of what she was saying, but I agreed with an awful lot of things which she was saying. I taught in a girls' school for eight years, two different girls' schools for eight years. And all of that time... I could see the wealth of talent and ability and all those wonderful gifts that women have. The last thing I was doing was trying to talk about male superiority to women. But you see, it's this. The Bible says it shouldn't happen. What am I going to do as a Christian? Am I going to say, now I'm going to get on? No. If I wish to honor Jesus Christ and his apostles who were, who were given instructions by him. I take the truth, I believe it, I teach it, and I live by it. The truth is, you see, that NATO has a doctrine. An attack upon one country is an attack upon all. And when people come along and they attack one area and they deny one area of, of the Bible's teaching, then actually, ultimately, they're going to pick and choose on lots and lots of other doctrines. In love, we have to teach what the Bible teaches. In love, gently, we point out to all women that, yeah, women are pastors if they're married. Because they have these, this wonderful thing called children to pastor. What a wonderful thing it is on the Day of Judgment when women will, will meet their children uh, who are saved and they've... They prayed. They taught them to pray. They taught them. To, they taught them uh, about Jesus, and they, they gave them love and and, and spiritual nourishment. They, they're like Eunice was to Timothy. You remember, Paul says about uh, the faith was first in, in in Lois, the grandmother, and then was in Eunice, and then you've got that faith. They passed it on to you. They taught. They taught Timothy from a a child how to how to uh, the truths of the Bible, and they prayed for him and so on. It is a, a wonderful thing to be a pastor, a woman pastor, yes, of the children. But a single woman can also be a, a pastor of, of children too, of course, because it's Sunday school work, your, your relatives, you, uh, your, the, the, the children that you meet, you can pass on the word to. Because the Bible does say that women can pastor other women can uh, look after other children. And now this is a, a marvelous thing. It, I mean, quite frankly, working in a church as, a, you know, a, a pastor or a leader, you may have, that person may have less blessing, ultimately, than a woman, a mother, who's quietly gone on with her task of, of, of loving their children and bringing them up in the knowledge and fear of the Lord. And on, on the day of judgment, it may be in a much superior position than, than a pastor who might have had all the plaudits but not had the real spiritual fruit. We need to, uh, we need to see that uh, women may be pastors and teachers 
of half the population of the world, the other women, and, uh, and also, of course, ultimately the whole population of the world through the children uh, that, uh, that, that are taught. But we need, we must in this generation, as Bible-believing Christians, say, look, this is the truth. There are women pastors and and teachers in the church that are are lovely women, self-sacrificing, have denied all to follow Christ, but have got trapped by a a false doctrine. Uh, I'm not blaming them, it's primarily the men uh, who've taught the false doctrine that unfortunately have deceived these women and made the way for them to actually become uh, put in positions which they shouldn't actually be in. But I, I say with no disrespect to wonderful women that I've met, actually, on the streets, um, uh, talking to, evangelizing and so on, who uh, are clearly marvelous, marvelous love for the Lord, but there's something that's wrong. They're not wearing the belt of truth in this regard, and it's a dangerous thing to do. All right, now the third and final thing to do, because time has, has passed, is this. We not only must um, have self-knowledge, I've talked about and then respond to that self-knowledge in prayer and seeking God's help not only must we uh, pass on the doctrinal truth and stand by the wonderful doctrinal truth that does preserve us in the Christian life but we also need to live in the truth we need to live in the dimension of the truth Uh, James said uh, uh, um, uh, sorry John said that let's not just um, show love in, in words but in deeds and in practice and uh, we need to walk in the light as Jesus is in the light. And we must uh, live in the dimension of love. Paul talks about uh, living in God. and uh, Sorry, John talks about living in God. Uh, if you go through, uh, do a little Bible study on, on the first letter of John, in fact, and 2 and 3 John, there's a constant reference to living in the truth, walking in the truth in 3 John reference to, to, the, to these, uh, these brothers and sisters who are walking in the truth. And the Lord wants us to not have a cold intellectual uh, experience of the truth, but a living relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, filling our hearts with love, walking in the light, and showing, uh, showing in practice the integrity of truth, because it isn't just it isn't just uh, something that's happened to our minds, but has happened to every part of our being. That we love the Lord, and the love of Christ controls us. And in that love of Christ controlling us, we show love in practice. That's another sermon. I'm going to actually, um, I'm going to, I'm going to finish now with a prayer, and then we'll uh, sing the last hymn. So uh, let me just. Um, Find the last hymn to make sure I've got it. Yeah, number 889, which we'll sing just after I've prayed. Oh, Father, we thank you that you have given us the Bible. It has been attacked on all sides for, for centuries, but particularly in this last 150 years. Lord, so many men uh, in universities and now many women who uh, have, as academics, have denied Uh, that it is the living word of God that have departed from its truths 
Lord, we see churches that now are just empty buildings or have been taken over by uh, other religions or other denominations, by denominations that have abandoned the word of God. Oh, Father, help us uh, to defend the word of God and contend for it. But, Lord, we do pray for these areas, these two big areas, Lord, uh, Lord, of the truth. Please show us more, Lord, of our sinfulness. And, Lord, please grant us Lord, that, uh, that hunger and desire to change, to be holier, to be, have more love, uh, to have more vitality in our lives from day to day. And Lord, we pray that we may uh, be able to live in love as God is love. And Lord, both uh, delight more in your presence and delight to show steadfast love as we live our lives um, today. So we pray, bless us tonight. Uh, and uh, bless our fellowship together. In Jesus' name, amen.